Hey everybody, we're here at Summer Games Fest 2023. I'm rocking with the head of Stray Scaffold. It is Oliver Nelson Jr. I had a much better intro two minutes ago, but we had a wonderful interruption in between that time. I, here's the thing, we were sneaking into uh, areas we shouldn't have been in. It's true. And what is more like sneaking into an area you shouldn't be in than finding yourself in an interdimensional shifting motel where suddenly you're roaming through the shattered memories of your ex who's gonna end the world. There are very few people who I know who can make a, a, a segue that smoothly <laughs> into talking about their, their, their wonderful game. Um, I'm really excited for El Paso. Uh, El Paso elsewhere is gonna be, something I think is like gonna be in my, in my wheelhouse in a big way. Um, lots of really cool um, Max Payne vibes into that game, but I want I want you to give the folks at home a quick synopsis of, of the game itself, kind of where you're leading this uh, to and, and, and what was the vibes for it. So you're looking at a throwback supernatural third person shooter, Max Payne vibes, but you're fighting a army of werewolves and haunted suits of armor and these other classic supernatural creatures in this uh, haunted motel. This motel that is also itself shifting through different biomes as you're trying to reach your ex at the bottom, the Lord of the Vampires, Dracula, who is about to conduct a ritual that will end the world. So you on this one-way trip because reckoning with the reality of what it would take to have, you know, pills to get you through that experience, mm -hmm. uh, heal you from a werewolf claw across the chest, that's also a toxic concoction. You're yes. gonna die by the end of this either way. Uh. So the, the question is, what do you do with this portion of life you've got? Huh. So you're on this one-way trip, you're going down, you're processing your relationship trauma as this is occurring, and it's just a real cool classic shooter with these banging original hip-hop album beats that we put together, as well as stylish neo-noir cutscenes and that core beloved action from third-person shooters that we've kind of lacked in previous years, because the third-person shooters had so much evolution as a genre, and that's rad, but a game where you don't have a skill tree that you're looking at as soon as you get past the first couple minutes, yeah, yeah. hours, uh, that is about delivering you this experience and challenging you and showing you new shades of what the game can be through amazing level design and what the developers have done with those core pieces. That's what we're bringing back and hoping to bring back in a big way with El Paso Elsewhere. I mean, the thing I love about the way you just described that too is like the, the foundation of you're gonna die at the end of this. Yeah. And, and that, that premise of what do you do with the time that you have. I don't know if I'd go try to go find my ex. <laughs> That would, I, don't, I don't know if that would be the way I would spend that part of this portion of that life, but I like the fact that this is the premise and the foundation of what this is that is wrapped around something that is very familiar for folks who are in our bracket of gaming life uh, to be able to kind of know what that third person shooter feels like. What, what was some of the kind of like initial impetus for not only the kind of let's do this in this kind of style where you have a little bit of that slow-mo third person uh space there and of course the story itself of like where does that come from and come into this equation because that is that is a premise that is one that is very different than than, than most <laughs> in, in this genre i would say that as far as bringing slow-mo back 
a big piece of it was looking at what it means to resurrect a classic property these days. Mm. If you have a deeply exciting story to tell and a new take on a character, and it in some way, shape or form, can touch on changing the race of that character, people would lose their gosh dang minds. Yep. <laughs> so, it, the very, very origin of it was I wanted to do a parody of Max Payne called Pill Cop, <laughs> which is just the exact stereotype of what you think Max Payne is coming in on it. And I was gonna, for, you know, uh, poops and giggles, make the main character black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and what changed the direction of it from being just a parody to being really taken seriously is honestly the strange scaffold philosophy. We don't ever just kind of take someone else's formula and run with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of synthesis. It's a lot of looking at things like that Constantine scene yeah. where suddenly it's top down and it's like fucking Hotline Miami. Years before Hotline Miami, we're looking at the music we listen to, yep. the, the, the hip-hop, the existential violence, and the driving motivators that you can get into it. We're looking at neo-noir instead of noir and the potentials for storytelling, and we are just collectively saying, you know, we love Max Payne, mm. but Max Payne is a game that exists. How do we give people who loved this foundation something new to fall in love with, a new character, a new universe to dig into. And El Paso Elsewhere was born. Specifically though, the X subplot, I have to credit to my mom. Huh. She's also the reason that an airport for aliens currently run by dogs has the plot that it does. Because one thing that she harps on is like, Every story needs to have a love story. I don't care what it is. Every story needs to have a love story because otherwise, why should I? Why would I care? Why would I care? Huh. I'm, and I'm getting this talk from my mom for the 300th time, and it starts rolling through my head. Uh, I've already started to assemble the pieces of a, what of a supernatural Max Payne uh, style game, and this thing starts to assemble itself in my head of a black monster hunter mm. going to this hotel in the middle of the desert to stop his ex from ending the world because he's the only person who can. Mm. And here we are. Oh my God. I, I, in, my, in my most bizarre of minds, <laughs> there, there's a small part of me who's like, so how do we flip this into something in terms of its, I mean, it would be a totally different game because it would have to yeah. be. But just to, whatever the machinations to get to the space where we change it from that idea of Max Payne and just call it Black Payne. And then, <laughs> you're talking about everyday life, right? <laughs> so, you, so you basically, we just walk around with cameras and follow each other around. Um, that would be a very third person game that we would be able to take that into. But I, but I, I love, one of the things I really appreciate about, appreciate about you and appreciate about the work that you do is you do have this really interesting look at and take on a lot of the classic things that we have played over a long period of time third-person shooter in the in the space of Max Payne poker game with animals <laughs> and 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 just like I love the fact that you're willing to just say this is a thing that I'm interested in and I want to mess around with the ways that you think about this talk a little bit about how the kind of ethos of that has come to be like I, I think we all are 
you know, an amalgam of all of the things that we have been through and seen and experienced and all those things. But I think what I love about you and your work is that you come to all of this with such a sense of love for genre, love for story, love for the space, but it comes through you as this person that is often just so, you bring such good energy to all of it. And that, and that so it, it's so dope to see how you do this work. I'd love to know, like, when you decided to kind of get into the space, mm. what were some of the first things that you were like, I need to flip that on its head because it needs to happen. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. I think in a lot of these cases, when we're looking at genre subversion, mm. the key piece for me is understanding what the core appeal of the thing is in the mm. first place. That's what I was talking about. Even in its very most cheesy foundations, Pill Cop. Mm -hmm. Pill Cop doesn't work as a parody unless I really connect with and understand and see what the creators were intending and what they delivered in that original Max Payne pitch. For all of our games and for <laughs> what it means to be a human in general, I care so much about thinking deeper about media, what I'm seeing, what I'm doing, and how I'm associating with people on a day-to-day -day basis, because I want to see people mm. in this sliver of life that we have in real life mm -hmm. as well. We get this tiny slice of time to understand mm -hmm. the people who we are, as well as the people we're around every single day. So when I look at a piece of art, whether or not it achieved its intended goal, whether or not it does something by quote-unquote accident. Mm. I want to know, not the truth, but like the heart and soul of that thing. So I think one of the reasons that people connect with our games, despite the fact that they do end up looking so different from their source inspirations, right. and that it can pull in both the fans of that thing as well as people who have never touched it before, is because we're looking at from a heart of empathy, the core appeal of the first thing and saying, what is the next step? What's our take on it? It's easy coming into a genre to be cynical and say, oh, people want some slow motion action. People want, uh, <laughs> people want Poker Night the Inventory again, so let's buy another few licenses and bring in some characters. Mm -hmm. Instead saying, this, this was created for a different reason and this appealed to people for something else. What was that? Yeah. And then synthesizing something that delivers that same feeling in a new way. There's nothing like it in the world. It's a magic trick. Mm. And once you've been able to pull that off once, you, you kind of just want to do it over and over and over again. Yeah, there's, a, there's a, a real honesty in the game that you make and the team makes. There's a real like... I, I, in a space where a lot of folks currently are very cynical and very um, there, there's nothing new under the sun mm. kind of vibe the thing I love about the work that y'all do is that it doesn't feel like that because there's this genuine honesty and, and curiosity about that deeper layer that you're talking about it, it came from a process it came from a lot of personal growth because yeah. I was a homeschooled kid who was pretty smart and I took that to the umpteenth degree. I was like, oh, I don't look at books with pictures. I don't read comics, I read unabridged classics. 
And I was insufferable, even in terms of my faith, and I'm still a Christian today, but my original take on that faith was this insufferable idea of separation from the people I was around rather than understanding and love and the core connection that I feel the gospel actually teaches. And over time, emerging really from media exploration saying, I don't listen to music. I don't listen to metal music. I have these preconceptions about the people who listen to, to not just music in general, but these types of music. What's actually there, though? What are the stories? Who are the, What is the culture there? How do I find love and understanding for the thing, even if I still end up not liking it? It's ended up transforming me, and we do a lot to introduce that into our teen culture as well. When criticism comes up of things in games culture or of a new game, we're in a very intentional process. We cut off dunk cycles in the middle and say, hey, but what do people care about in this though? Because it's very easy to say it's just blank plus blank, Mm -hmm. but what's it really doing? Or how can we appreciate how they still reach people and still giving people value and taking out that cynicism in our own souls yeah. that personal growth is indistinguishable from the things we end up being able to create yeah that resonates a lot with me i used to be a really terrible atheist mm. uh and then met my wife got baptized and then became an atheist again <laughs> but i learned so much from that process of having that it's just a uh, and then going back and being like, oh no, there's there's community here, there's love here, there's support here. There's it may not resonate with me in that same way that it did with all of all the other folks that we were in the pews with at that point. Yeah. But it was dope to be able to kind of come back out of that process and be like, no, there's a there's a fun, fundamental foundational thing here that is holding these their bonds here that are pulling these people together for a reason. And how do we kind of tap into that again? Which is which was which is really nice for you to hear you talk about. It feels like that is a thing that the gaming industry could really use in a lot of different ways of like, and in, in, in not in a marketing sense, right? Like no. in the actual like full breadth of... Even how, mean? what we deliver to our players. I feel like players right now do not feel well taken care of. And they should. Yeah. Because they're being delivered, in some cases, exactly what they're asking for. Mm-hmm but not what they need or actually want. The players say they want a bigger game, and what they might mean is they want a richer experience, but some executive or some uh, amount of data crunching says, what that means is they want an open world action adventure that is 200 hours, and there's a place for those games, and they're rad. But uh, the idea that what it means to, for example, support a game is always a live service roadmap delivered right. at launch or to uh, create the this wave of DLC. I know there's a lot of empathetic decisions that happen on the business end as well. I'm making them, I'm in rooms with other people who are making them, I see them getting made. But I feel like right now players are identifying that as much as they're being delivered the exact games that they're asking for, the games that they dreamed that they would play growing up, they s- both the games as well as the experiences they're having with them feel very hollow and commodified. Mm. I give, I put coins into the slot machine 
and it gives me dopamine. It gives me my algorithm category that I've been assigned. Mm. And being willing to crack open that relationship a little bit and say, no, I see you player. Mm-hmm. And I'm ready to, with you, explore all the things that games still can be. That yeah. that isn't an answered question yet. Yeah. And see what it means to support you in, in each version that makes sense for each game in a holistic way. It's deeply exciting and I think necessary for retaining your sanity right now. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I, and I, know, I know we're almost at the end of, of yeah. our convo, but it feels like, and tell me if I'm wrong, is that a part of the process for you and your team throughout these different projects and these different games is not only, of course, making a fun game for the experiences, but also addressing what you just talked about in terms of giving players good experiences for that they feel like the that synthesizing of that weird balance of what they want versus what they think they want. And on the other side of as the folks who are on the game maker side of let's give them what they think they that they need, you're kind of meeting in the middle of giving them both of those things while while doing the great unlearning, right? Which I think is that big part of the, the conversation too, right? Is like players are we're not talking to players in smart ways because we're thinking that we know what's best for them when they're giving us good information. Yeah. That great on learning can be done through the process of giving them actual interesting projects that they can consume, right? Players are smart. Players are smart. They have an incredible insight that they don't always have the full game developer vocabulary for sure. to expressing what they love about a game but they love the stuff that they love for a reason. They connect with things and talk about the things that they care about. And one thing I've observed is that there's this really interesting trend where we have games that sell more copies than ever, but where players have less of a reason to talk about the things they care about. Because all it did was just kind of deliver them the exact carbon copy of the thing that fit the shape that they were that they were in. As if they're a customer in Diamond or Dash, yeah, where it's like, yeah, yeah. Give them a cheeseburger, give them a, a fountain drink. Yeah. Delivering players as a result of that observation, games that are genuinely holistically themselves mm. and that recognize the player as holistic beings that can react for and against what they're being presented is amazing. Because you know what? I play older games a lot for research and for funsies. And sometimes I hate what I'm playing. I hate what I'm playing or I hate a specific mechanic, but that gives me a specific emotional reaction Mm. that I can have. And I'm noticing how often in games we are shaving away edges for players to react against in the process, leaving them with nothing sandwiches. Mm. I respect my players enough to give them things that are so themselves that players can hate them. Mm. And also, on the flip side, fall deeply, genuinely head over heels in love with something that they've never seen before. And that's a, that's a testament to that self-growth. That's a testament to seeing people get it wrong, air quotes, get it wrong. Mm. And I think that, you know, as a person who enjoys uh, your TikTok often, <laughs> one of the best TikToks in the gaming industry, I would say, it is a reflection of what I see through the vision of you living your life in that public way. It, 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 it is a very genuine thing to see and to hear you say that because I see you 
you you are doing that in the ways that you are publicly sharing your world and your in your in your life with other people. Um, and I appreciate the hell out of that. It's it's dope to see people be able to be themselves in the fullest way, and that then comes through their craft and their art. And, and it means a lot, man. I see a lot. I see a lot of that in you too. And when I see that from other people of color in this industry, it is an encouragement because it can be hard to retain that. But when I see you being your joyful, full self, yeah. it's honestly one of the things that keeps me going, brother. Thank same, you. Same, 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 same. I, I I want to leave this planet in that small sliver. And, and people be like, no, nah, that was him. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Whatever version of it is, as it morphs throughout the rest of this life, like, it brings me a lot of joy to see you to, to be your fullest self, and I appreciate you. Um, we're going to get up out of here, but I do want you to, to, to plug the game. When is it going to drop? Um, and all the other projects that you have uh, in motion right now. Sunshine Shuffle just came out on Nintendo Switch and PC. Gambling animals robbed a bank 12 years ago. Find out how and why they did it so they don't get executed by the mafia. Uh, <laughs> we just announced a game, a character action tactics game called Teenage Demon Slayer Society. It's one of the most ambitious, badass things we've ever built. Uh, that's something you can now wishlist on Steam, more platforms, TBD, TBA. And finally, El Paso Elsewhere. Yes. The big release of our year comes out this fall sooner than later and you can play that on xbox series xs and xbox one and on pc when it launches you're in for a very potent treat and it's gonna come with a full-on original rap album complete i'm not just talking beats i'm talking lyrics i'm talking hooks you hum in the shower uh, and I'll be coming at you at the same time this fall. Well, I'm, as always, rooting for you. Uh, really do love the work you put out in the world. So hyped to get into El Paso. Uh, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll be rocking out on, on stream when I get a chance to, <laughs> to, to finally get a chance to play it. Fam, thank you so much for spending some time with me. Uh, Summer Games Fest, we are almost up out of here for this for this year's show. Uh, we have a whole bunch of things to wrap up very, very soon, so please make sure you're checking out all the stuff on the feeds. Uh, and Zalavir, thank you so much for spending some time, fam. I feeling is very mutual. Appreciate care, you. Uh, everybody, we'll have more dopeness coming to you live from Bracago and Spawn on Me very, very soon. Much love to you all. Take care of yourself. Wash your hands, wash your butt, and we'll talk to you very, very soon. Bye.